When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Hey, folks, guess you heard. This morning I tested positive for COVID. He is in good spirits. He is feeling well. Anything that affects the president has an impact in our country. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. You know, what happens if he does this and he raises oil prices in the U.S.? I think they just sort of looked into the toolkit and said, what do we got that we can throw out here today? And this was really a weak attempt at trying to feed the beast. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The president of the United States has COVID. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as Washington reels on news of the positive test, who the close contacts might be, all following Joe Biden's travel to the Middle East and Massachusetts in the recent days. We've been gathering sound and information all day to bring you the very latest on this story, and we'll discuss ahead with Chris Meekins, healthcare policy analyst, managing director at Raymond James. The January 6th committee goes prime time again, but is tonight the finale? We'll examine the legal case being built against Donald Trump and his lieutenants and what we might expect this evening with Michael Zeldin, former federal prosecutor, former special counsel to Robert Mueller at the Department of Justice. Analysis. From the panel today, Bloomberg Politics contributor and Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano is with us, along with Republican strategist Doug High. It's the second time we've seen a president get COVID. And while almost everything about this pandemic, COVID-19, has changed since we watched Donald Trump go through this, one thing remains the same, and that's the video to reassure the world. In this case, President Biden standing on the balcony overlooking the South Lawn of the White House, sun's out, hot day today. Is wearing a shirt and a blazer, and here's what he said. Hey folks, guess you heard, this morning I tested positive for COVID. But I've been double vaccinated, double boosted, symptoms are mild, and, uh, and I really appreciate your inquiry and your concerns. But I'm doing well, I'm getting a lot of work done, I'm gonna continue to get it done, and, uh, and in the meantime, thanks for your concern, and keep the faith, it's gonna be okay. There you have it. Of course, remembering Donald Trump kicked out his own video message, a couple of them around at that time that he was going through this as well. But I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. When you get COVID, a lot of work gets done. You test positive. We're working here. The White House kicked out a tweet with a picture of the president hard at work, smiling, 
behind the desk in the White House residence where he is now isolated. So a lot of questions over this beyond the work. And that's why they sent Dr. Ashish Shah to the podium, the White House briefing room today. Uh, He's the White House COVID response coordinator and suddenly a very important member of the administration. One of the first questions asked was, do we know which variant Joe Biden has? Here's the doctor. The virus has been sent off for sequencing. It takes usually about a week for that sequencing to come back. That's under normal circumstances. He's the president. The sequencing will get prioritized. So we should have an answer sooner than that. But you can't just tell from a regular test what kind of variant. So the sequencing Mm -hmm. results will be back at some point less than a week from now. Okay, less than a week, we'll know what he's got. BA5, Omicron, I don't know. Of course, the other thing we all asked was, you probably said the same thing because you follow this stuff. Where did he get it? He's been to Israel, Saudi Arabia, and beautiful Somerset Mass all in the last week. Even touched down in Warwick, Rhode Island, where typically good things happen on his way to the event yesterday. Uh, so where do we know where, Dr. Ja? Where was he infected? I, I don't think we know. Um, I certainly don't know if you, if you have any thoughts I, on I, that. Look, I, I don't think that, that matters, right? I think what matters is we prepared mm. for this moment. Okay, hold on. Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre jumps in, the White House press secretary. We don't think that matters. It matters a lot as the White House gathers potentially hundreds of close contacts. And it's probably smart to find out where the leader of the free world got COVID. Now, so that was one comment, and she did have to get back to that a little bit later. People say, really, this doesn't matter. But fascinating messaging today from this White House. A year and a couple of weeks after President Biden said that the U.S. was close to declaring independence from COVID. Listen to the messaging from the press secretary at the White House today, because basically you're all going to get it is now what the administration is saying. Here's Karine Jean-Pierre. We knew this was going to happen. As Dr. Ja said, uh, you know, when he was when he joined me at the briefing uh, in the briefing room uh, not too long ago, he said this is this is, uh, you know, everyone was at some point. Everyone's going to get covid. What is important is to make sure that you have you get the treatment uh, that is that we have provided for folks. Okay, we knew this was going to happen. Everyone at some point is going to get covid. Remarkable messaging in an evolution from the administration that was elected in part to beat COVID. Now, realizing, of course, that the president's probably going to, you know, be in the residence and he's got mild symptoms, fully vaccinated, double boosted. But of course, at one point, people thought that would keep them from getting COVID. And now it's a matter of, of managing symptoms. We knew this was going to happen. We never were told that the president was definitely going to get COVID. They were going out of their way to keep him from it. Everyone at some point is going to get COVID. We'll bring uh, Chris in on this uh, now. Chris Meekins is healthcare policy analyst, managing director at Raymond James. He does. He's with us now, correct? Chris, uh, thanks for being here uh, because we all have a lot of questions. I just wonder how concerned you are with the messaging today from the West Wing. Yeah, it's definitely a reversal of messaging, no question about that. Is it that. dangerous? I think, eh, I don't think it's dangerous, but I think it's going to, when you hear the West Wing say, oh, everyone's going to get COVID, it kind of yeah. contradicts the whole desire of everyone has to get boosted, everyone has to get boosted. Well, that's I, right. And I say that, you know, is it dangerous because it's gonna, people are going to say, well, forget it then. Forget the mask, forget the vaccine. We're all getting it. Like Donald Trump said, ride it like a cowboy, Chris. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm not going to encourage people to ride it like a cowboy. What I will <laughs> say is that 
Um, I think that the part of the message that got muddled today was the fact that someone who is approaching 80, as the president is, would normally be at a much higher risk had he not been boosted twice and now taking the treatment uh, that the government successfully uh, made investments in. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, we don't want people to be hospitalized. We don't want people to die. Mm -hmm. But there does seem to be a stepping on the message with regard to how likely people were to get it and what it means for those that do have it. And we are seeing hospitalizations increase, certainly cases in a lot of cities as BA5 becomes a reality here. What do we have? Hospitalizations passing 40,000. That's a little bit of a a trip back in time here. Cases over 120,000 per day. Does this present an opportunity for the White House to get serious about COVID again? Chris, I'm asking you that after $10 billion in funding that was supposed to be passed a couple of months ago to replenish therapies and vaccines, never saw the light of day. Yeah, I mean, House Democrat rank-and-file members walked away from $15 billion earlier this year of additional funding, and then Republicans decided to hold up $10 billion because there was a fight over Title 42 immigration policy. Mm-hmm. I think it does put That's additional right. pressure on the White House to encourage Senator Manchin, if they're able to get a reconciliation bill done, to throw some money for COVID into it. But here's the thing about COVID funding. The U.S. government doesn't pay for flu vaccines. The U.S. government doesn't pay for polio vaccines, right? We have polio, first case again. That's right. The uh, New York, first time in more than a decade we have Mm -hmm. that. So there's a system in place with the U.S. health system to pay for vaccines, pay for treatments. We just need to transition over to that, and then they can focus their resources on areas where they can make a big difference. What worries me is that they haven't been making investments in next-generation vaccines And they've been a little late to the game with regard to targeting specific variants. There's no reason we shouldn't have had an Omicron or a BA, one of the BA strains, you know, four or five variant vaccines already available to us. Additionally, if you want to try to prevent transmission, you really need to move toward a nasal vaccine rather than. I thought we'd have that by now, Chris. I if they if investments had continued to be made in the next generation technologies, we would okay. have. So what but you're saying is we need funding, but not to be buying vaccines for people to be going into research and development. What I'm saying is we need funding for research and development for next generations and then allow the system we have in the U.S., which already covers a wide range of vaccines. So how do you make that transition? Well, you just tell everyone this is what it's going to be and insurers. Hey, guess what? <laughs> You're going to cover this piece now. Yeah. This is where we're going. And you tell the companies, you're going to make sure the U.S. still has enough supplies. And if you don't, well, we're the U.S. government. That's not going to make us very happy and see what the pharmaceutical industry does. I guarantee you Pfizer's not going to say, well, if you don't buy $3 billion from us in a bulk purchase anymore, yeah, which made right. sense at the beginning, uh, that we're not going to supply the U.S. market. That probably would be a bad PR day for the company. I, I so suspect you're right. They're going to to provide what we need here. We're spending time with Chris Meekins uh, from Raymond James on this day. We learned that Joe Biden uh, got COVID here. Uh, The other part of that statement from the White House, we talked about everyone at some point is going to get COVID. Apparently, that's the new mantra. We knew this was going to happen. Chris, of course they did, right? But they never said that. They always said that they were going out of their way to test the president. They were a little bit cagey about his testing regimen. They were a little cagey about close contacts. Uh, And now it's, well, we always knew this was going to happen. Is that something you believe? 
that's very different than the messaging we saw last uh, July before the Delta wave. It's very different than we've seen messaging with regard to vaccines and the need for people to get boosters. I think for those of us that are fortunate at this point to not have gotten COVID to our knowledge, I think that the idea that, oh, there's no hope is a bit problematic. And so I think what we're seeing is uh, real movement and messaging that's trying to make it seem like, oh, this isn't a big deal that the leader of the free world has COVID, <laughs> you know, when reality is it matters. And that's OK that it matters. It's something right. a lot of Americans have to deal with. Hopefully, it you know, it, it, it helps to underscore the story that these vaccines keep you alive and out of the hospital because we seem to lose track of that. At some point, Chris, I'm glad you could talk to us. Chris Meekins is healthcare policy analyst, managing director at Raymond James, helping us dissect what we learned today from the White House. It did sound like a little bit of ad-libbing. Well, it was ad-libbing at the podium, and that's why we want to turn this to the panel next. Jeannie Shanzano was with us, Democratic analyst, Bloomberg politics contributor, along with Doug High today, Republican strategist. They're with us for the hour. We'll check traffic and markets for you on the way. On the fastest hour in politics, I'm Joe Matthew, and this is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The program brought to you by the letters B and A and the number 5. As I read on the terminal, BA5 has an increased ability to evade immunity from prior infections and immunizations. So did this just make the argument more difficult for people to get a vaccine? Or did this just make it easier? Because you see, a near 80-year-old man, well, he's working. Have you heard how busy he is? He's in the residence working, which is a lot better than being in the hospital. Then again, an increased ability to evade immunity from prior infections and immunizations means you're going to get it anyway. Or as Corinne Jean-Pierre said today, everyone at some point is going to get COVID. We assemble the panel. Deeply curious to hear what Jeannie has to think about it. Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributor and Democratic analyst. Doug High is here as well today. Always a pleasure to have Doug with us. Republican strategist and former deputy chief of staff to Eric Cantor, former communications director at the RNC. Uh, Jeannie, the whole world changed since I spoke with you last. Not only did the president get COVID, but we're told everyone at some point is going to get it. I've had one turn. I've been waiting for BA5, to be honest with you. I'm back and forth to New York fairly often. 
But what kind of a message is that to send to people, you know, who have who have folks who are vulnerable, who have uh, older parents, grandparents, children who have immunodeficiencies? Really, everyone is going to get it now. Yeah, it, it wasn't quite the message. They they stumbled again on this messaging, and, and it was a bit ironic because the the one hand they're saying we knew this was going to happen, everybody's going to get it, including the president, and yet their messaging for some reason wasn't prepared for this inevitability. And and you know that's sort of the irony here. There is a way that they can handle this, and I think importantly they can handle it by saying very clearly that the vaccination keeps you out of the hospital often a ventilator and it keeps your symptoms less severe so everybody should get it congress should get put the funding together that we've been asking for the president is doing fine he's working i mean there's a way to do this to be transparent but you know to to simply go out and say everybody is going to get it so your turn is next (laughs) is certainly not the message for a white house to be sending we played the message uh, from president biden that he tweeted today Remembering uh, when when Donald Trump got covid, he also did the same thing. Let's just go back in time for a second and listen to former president, then president Donald Trump. So I just want to tell you that I'm starting to feel good. Uh, You don't know over the next period of a few days, I guess that's the real test. So we'll be seeing what happens over those next next couple of days. Not all that different, really, maybe a little bit more dour than we we saw and heard today. From President Biden, who gave a smile, he said everything's going to be all right. Uh, Doug, hi, you used to run a communication shop. What would you have done differently today? Well, I mean, the first thing that you do is preparation, as as Jeannie said. You anticipate, you know, these eventualities, and then the questions that are going to come from them. You know, and this starts not on January nineteenth of, of last year, but starts the day the day after the election. What do we do when the president elect or the president tests positive, and the vice president, and on down the line? And so I'm very surprised to see them stumble, especially given that Trump isn't the only world leader that we've seen, you know, get this. Boris Johnson obviously got it and was also quite ill. And that's right. Johnson, unlike Trump, was a massive booster, public booster um, of the vaccine. And, you know, this is coming at a time, Joe, when we're hearing about you know, a lot of changes potentially in the, the White House um, communications personnel, with right. communications director leaving. Liz Allen, who's at the State Department, has talked about getting um, that role. Kendra Barkoff Lammy, who works for Biden in the vice president's office in uh, on uh, Capitol Hill in the Senate as well. For Doug, we're having a little trouble um, with your line. I apologize. I want to hear what you're saying, but I think it might be better to, to reconnect or, or fix whatever we're hearing there. Uh, Jeannie, uh, remembering back to Donald Trump, did this White House learn a lesson from watching another president go through this? You know, I'm not sure that they learned the lesson in a communications from a communication standpoint that they should have. Um, You know, when I first heard this news, of course, you're you're deeply concerned about the president and the first lady, but really, you know, happy to hear that he seems to be doing well. I thought the video was well done. They're portraying strength. But, you know, one of the things that that came to my mind is how lucky are we when Donald Trump got this? He was hospitalized. He was close, we've heard, to being put on a ventilator. We 
didn't have the vaccinations and the boosters for somebody Biden and Trump's age or all of our ages it, to help us through this. So we're so lucky we have those today. And that's something that I thought I would hear from the White House. Look at how far we've come. We may not be, you know, have reached the independence they declared last year, certainly. Yeah. But you've got, you know, people who are coming down with this and the number of people we lost, you know, when this right. first started. Well, people need to remember when Donald Trump got it, too. Remember when he, yeah. he jumped in the in the the SUV and had the Secret Service drive. We were afraid everybody in the vehicle was going to die. We just didn't know anything then. And there were no vaccines like we have now. Doug High is back with us. Doug, if you're on Capitol Hill, if you're a Democrat looking for COVID funding, is this an opportunity? I think it is an opportunity to, you know, restress the message, a positive message of, as Jeannie said, look how far we've come. And this is why we need to go farther. And this isn't just COVID. This potentially is also a message that um, uh, House and Senate leadership can use on monkeypox as well. Hmm. What does he do tomorrow, Doug? I mean, is he you go out there and do uh, push-ups on the North Lawn, <laughs> take a run. What do you do to, for people to, to realize that he's going to be all right? Well, we'll certainly see him. And we'll see him not just in, in pre, pre-shot pre videos, but also we'll see him in person. And, you know, that may be riding a bike. That may be walking outside. But something not a to bike. demonstrate that he's healthy. <laughs> we tried that already. I'm kidding, of course. Doug That's I, why he's got to do it again. <laughs> do it again. And careful with the pedals this time. Uh, Jeannie Shanzano, our panel, they'll be back in just a bit as we turn to the January 6th committee. You know, this was supposed to be the grand finale tonight. Either way, we're not sure about that, but it will be in prime time. This is Bloomberg. Hearing number eight begins at eight. Unclear exactly how long the hearing tonight will go. This was originally supposed to be the grand finale, right? We're going to start and finish in prime time. People sitting down thinking they're watching their shows are going to see Benny Thompson via Zoom because he's got COVID as well, by the way. And Liz Cheney and company will, of course, be holding forth. Uh, interesting tonight, we were connecting the dots in the last hearing, uh, at least an attempt to, between the White House and the groups that attacked the Capitol. Tonight, filling in the blanks, as Adam Kinzinger says, on what the president was doing. He says they know they'll have a TikTok and we'll be hearing from a former deputy national security advisor, Matt Pottinger will be testifying along with Sarah Matthews, a former deputy press secretary. They were both in the West Wing that day and resigned uh, based on what they witnesses, uh, what they witnessed. Uh, but I want to recall as well what happened at the end of the last hearing. And for some people, you know, it's like the uh, the post credit scene. Some people were gone by then. But Liz Cheney had quite a statement to make about witness tampering. Listen again. After our last hearing, President Trump tried to call a witness in our investigation, a witness you have not yet seen in these hearings. That person declined to answer or respond to President Trump's call and instead alerted their lawyer to the call. Their lawyer alerted us. And this committee has supplied that information to the Department of Justice. Liz Cheney just going to leave that there. So what will we learn tonight? Let's bring in Michael Zeldin, former federal prosecutor, former special counsel to Robert Mueller while at the Department of Justice. It's great to have you back with us, Michael. Are we going to be in, in the realm of building a legal case tonight? Is this about tying up loose ends? What's your expectation? The objective of tonight's hearing is the final of the seven-part 
conspiracy plan that the committee laid out on day one. This seventh part of their plan is, as they said it, as the violence was underway, President Trump ignored multiple pleas for assistance and failed to take immediate action to stop the violence and instruct his supporters to leave the Capitol. So I think we're going to get a lot of evidence about sort of the political or moral depravity of that inaction and try to, and the committee is going to try to have this in a sense as a closing statement to say, mm-hmm. he summoned all these people, all mm-hmm. part of the big lie, his pressure campaign failed, and this was the last act of a desperate man trying yeah. to cling to power. And that, they I think will argue, violated the criminal laws of the United States. I'm not okay. sure that they get to that last point. That's the um, that's the tough part, though, right, Michael? I mean, what yeah. what does it matter? And I realize that part of the purpose here is to set uh, the record straight for for the sake of history, for the sake of it not happening again. Uh, but from a legal standpoint, does it matter what Donald Trump did once he went back to the West Wing? Well, it does matter in a legal sense. If a case was going to be brought that President Trump was part of a conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding and or defraud the United States, leave aside the sedition part of it, but just the defrauding United States through the perpetration of the big lie, the pressure campaign on Trump, on Pence rather, and the others, then his state of mind would be probative of whether or not he intended to carry out a criminal conspiracy or not. So I think, Mm -hmm. yes, it is relevant to that. It's corroborative of his state of mind with respect to the official proceeding obstruction of justice and the defrauding of the United States. But it doesn't get us standing alone to seditious conspiracy. Okay, well, so away we go uh, on those grounds. Michael, we don't know when we're going to get a final report, it sounds like. The committee says this was originally going to be the finale, but, well, there could be more hearings because more evidence and more witnesses continue to come forward. Uh, This may, in fact, not be done before a potential changeover in power. If Republicans run the House, they may, in fact, have the opportunity to control the outcome of a final report. So they're going to do an interim report. I guess I'm just wondering if this is ever going to be, if, if certainly Republicans take the House, Michael, if this is ever going to be really concluded, knowing that this this could have been the last word tonight, but the committee is allowing for more time. Right, because more evidence keeps coming in, as you just suggested in the tease to this conversation, there may be a witness tampering investigation that now has just surfaced by the Trump call to a prospective witness. And we know from the reporting in the newspaper that after Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, more people have found a spine and have come forward to say what they know. So, you know, you can't blame the committee if people who were stonewalling them all of a sudden decide that, you know what, it's time for me to speak the sure that I know, and so it goes on. But, of course, from a criminal law standpoint, none of this really matters. The only one that makes that determination is the attorney general in That's the right. Department of Justice. Barrett so Garland. do you expect to hear more on witness tampering tonight? How, is import- how important is it for them to follow up on that? having opened that can of worms just two weeks ago. I think it's important for them to follow up on that because it's a 
standalone criminal offense to tamper with a witness's testimony. And it doesn't require, you know, this big lie and defrauding the United States sort of evidence. It could be in and of itself sufficient to bring for Merrick Garland to yeah. to bring a charge. Does but this I don't committee think that's going to be the focus. I don't think that's going to be the focus. I think the focus is going to be on his inaction slash cheerleading of right. the event and that when pressed by his advisors to call it off, he was reluctant to do so and only did so when they said, look, if you don't do something, your cabinet may invoke the 25th Amendment and right. try to have you removed. There'll be a lot more where that came from starting at 8 o'clock, I'm guessing. Wonderful have new images, new sounds, certainly new stories from the two witnesses. Michael Zeldin, thank you. Former federal prosecutor with us on the fastest hour in politics. We'll reassemble the panel next. Jeannie and Doug are back in. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The headline on the terminal, Jan 6 hearing to make case of Trump as derelict in duty. Expect to hear that phrase more than once tonight. It all comes down to what he was doing during that 187 minutes in which the former president waited before calling on his supporters to leave the Capitol to that end, great reporting from Billy House on the terminal. If you want to get ready for this tonight, starts at 8 o'clock again, Washington time. Billy says, look for the committee to emphasize how, even when, Trump did issue a video to supporters to leave the Capitol. He repeated his fraudulent claim that the election was stolen. Remember, go home. We love you. You're very special. They, I actually saw an image earlier from the Rose Garden, kind of behind the scenes, if you will, and I suspect we'll be seeing more of those tonight. Let's reassemble the panel. Doug High is with us, Republican strategist, along with Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano. Uh, Doug, what's going to be the most effective use of time tonight? I have to admit, you know, hearing a droning opening statement from Benny Thompson via Zoom in, in his COVID quarantine is probably not the kind of television most people are looking for at eight o'clock. How do they make it count? Yeah, you know, that's one of the problems that we always have with congressional hearings is members like hearing themselves. <laughs> and so questions are often speeches and speeches are, are even longer. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's most effective is testimony directly from witnesses and 
whatever video they have that we haven't seen. And the combination of the two is what will be most effective. And we should always be, be mindful of, and it's why we've had so many of these hearings now, is two things. One, the committee knows more than we do. And two, the committee doesn't know everything. Mm -hmm. They're learning things sometimes in almost real time as we are. Jeannie, from a legal standpoint, uh, will there be more added to the case or is this about telling the story, about wrapping up the story and, and, and I'm sure more wild versions of what happened? You know, I think uh, Representative Loria really laid it out well. You know, she's a Navy veteran. She talked about the fact, can you imagine, you know, you have a ship's captain and the ship is burning and he is there watching it happen Watch and it reveling TV. in it. And and that's really what they're going to focus on in this 187-minute gap of what he was doing. And and I thought that it was so well said by, uh, by your previous guest, by Michael, when he talked about the political and the moral depression gravity of that. Now, to your question, whether that rises to the level of illegality is another mm -hmm. question. And there are several possibilities from conspiracy to obstruction to seditious conspiracy to fraud and now to witness tampering. So mm -hmm. there's a lot uh, available there. And I thought Attorney General Merrick Garland yesterday when he came out with a very strong statement that they are taking this, the DOJ, very seriously and looking into it. So I think tonight it's less about, in my mind, at least the legality and more about the fact that you have the president of the United States doing mm -hmm. nothing as people are dying and being uh, abused and the Capitol is under attack. Doug, is the purpose of this committee to build a legal case or set the record straight for history? Or are you going to tell me it's both? It, it, it is both. And look, let's be clear. There's politics involved here as well. And I don't say that in a negative sense per se. Yeah. And one of the things that we're seeing in this is that you're seeing more and more of a Repub Republicans trying to inch away from Donald Trump. Independent voters are seeing this and they are devastated by it. They, they don't like they didn't like it before. And now they're being reminded of it. Mm -hmm. And just yesterday in the um, Capitol Hill Club, Mike Pence, was, or excuse me, in the Capitol, I believe Mike Pence was meeting with a group of House Republicans. I don't think that would have happened three months ago, mm -hmm. given Trump's proclivity to attack um, Mike Pence. But with the things we've seen over the past few weeks, it makes it more palatable for those Republicans to do so. How about that? Doug High is with us and Jeannie Shanzano, our panel. And I want to ask you both about your travel plans. But, you know, it's, of course, everything changes here. If you just ask Nancy Pelosi, this idea of Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, traveling to Taiwan on what could be the very day or just following a meeting between President Biden and President Xi has people all worked up here in the Capitol. If you're not aware of this story, and it is on the terminal, uh, it took on another uh, uh, another form today as we heard from Nancy Pelosi. But I want to just back up for a second. Listen to President Biden as he got back uh, from Massachusetts yesterday, uh, not knowing, of course, that he had COVID at that point. When he was asked about Nancy Pelosi traveling to Taiwan, here he is. The military thinks it's not a good idea right now, but uh, I, I don't know what the status of it is. The military thinks it's not a good. OK, so and this, by the way, was within hours of the of the headline breaking on his potential meeting here in the next 10 days, they said, with President Xi. Nancy Pelosi asked about it today. Uh, two very different answers from the same speaker. Here was the initial response. I don't ever discuss my travel plans. It's a national, it's a security issue. Uh, you never even hear me say if I'm going to um, London because it is a security issue. And so I won't be discussing that now. Okay. 
Nothing to see. Uh, by the way, I love the London. It's like, was that right out of Tom Keene's handbook? Even when I, I don't even let people know when I go to London, like for the weekend. But then she came back around, by the way. She says she's not talking about it. She did talk about it. Here's Nancy Pelosi. None of us has ever said we're for independence when it comes to Taiwan. That's up to Taiwan to decide. Uh, but uh, if what you're, the inference to draw on from your comment is that my going there uh, is problematic, uh, I think what the president was saying is the maybe the military was afraid our plane would get shot down or something like that by the Chinese. I don't know exactly. What? I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. You're telling me, and I've... Heard it anecdotally, but um, I haven't heard it from the president. Okay, hold on. This is well. This is the day for hot takes at the podium uh, or podia. In this case, Jeannie, both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. They thought the my plane was going to be shot down. Is that what the speaker should be saying today? No, you know, Matthew. Now I know why you don't share your travel plans with me. This <laughs> yes. has been a revelation. So thank you. Oh my God, <laughs> you know, it just very, very strange. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure why. You know, Nancy Pelosi first came out and said she hadn't spoke with the president. She might have tried to do that before she made the statement, and then this idea that you know this is equivalent to going to you know London of all places is laughable. And then of course, you know, the idea that this you know the military concerned about her plane being shot down. I think the reality is, is that the speaker likely should not be going over there at this point. It is a massive, massive headache, I think was the word used on Bloomberg Terminal for the president, the president of her party at a time when they are facing huge crises at home. She maybe needs to stay home. And I understand her desire to make this trip and sort of repeat Newt Gingrich's trip. But but at this point for her (laughs) own party, it doesn't make much sense. She she's planning to go in August, had postponed it from April, uh, apparently, Doug. Now, I, I don't know if you're going to end up in London this weekend, perchance, <laughs> but should she end up in Taiwan? or is it, I mean, does it look like we're kowtowing if she cancels that trip? Well, you don't want to know what flights I have look, that I'm looking up on Google Flights <laughs> over the past hour, by the way. But look, to me, it highlights, it highlights the fact that um, there's often a difference between Republicans and Democrats. We know that. But there's so often a, a difference in, in Capitol Hill and the White House, regardless yeah. of what party that is. They have different priorities and they act on things differently, just mm-hmm. given the, the nature of the executive and the legislature. So obviously they, they haven't coordinated here. Very obviously uh, on some level, they may have to do so, given that this has now become um, an issue. You were deputy chief of staff to Eric Cantor. You know what it's like mm-hmm. to be in, in the, the senior ranks in the United States House. Uh, how much coordination should there be between Pelosi's office and the president? They're both talking like they haven't spoken with each other. They're just just happen to be hearing things and, and weighing in on it. Well, given the nature of everything that's happening right now globally, you would think there would be some coordination between the speaker's office and the White House. Regardless of that, there will be coordination with the military because it's you know the Air Force that flies you over. It's Air Force personnel who are yeah. you know staffing those flights and so forth. So they'll have to coordinate in the congressional delegation sense. The what's called a CODEL is what that trip would be. Mm-hmm. But there's obviously a lot internationally and geopolitically um, happening, and that's why I'm surprised there haven't been those conversations yet. Maybe uh, plan it for six months from now to save face, Jeannie. Is that a good move? You know that there's going to be a meeting certainly by then between the two presidents and maybe things have calmed down a bit. 
You know, I think that's a possibility. I think she's got to take seriously what the military, obviously, and the president are saying. And, you know, if she was visiting England, she may not need to discuss that with the military and the president. But it's Taiwan, and it is a hotbed for the United States in this administration. The Speaker of the House of the Party of the President should get that, you know, lined up with the White House before going public on it. Well, it's going to be uh, something to see this meeting come together. It's interesting how the stakes have changed since the last one. Uh, President Biden's had a couple of calls now, a couple of video calls with President Xi, and we haven't seen this much concern leading up to them. Doug, is that because of Ukraine or something else? Well, absolutely. And there's certainly a, a sense that what would happen globally if China had gone first instead of Russia into Ukraine or if they go now and if they were to go now, we are in a very much more dangerous um, political, geopolitical position than than we are now globally. Yeah, and we're already sure. in a pretty bad place. I think Nancy Pelosi had a clear from the White House when she went to Kiev. Jeannie, that's that's a bit different. Yeah, I, I mean, and I would think that 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 would have been obviously, as Doug was saying, it's approved by the military because they yes. have to get her over there and certainly Fair the enough. White House. And I think a big question with this call is what does it say, for instance, about tariffs? Just one of the many issues Absolutely. on Biden's agenda. And we still haven't gotten a decision on that. Many people waiting for that decision. And of course, many others. Just interesting to think that it's cool for the Speaker of the House to touch down in the middle of a war zone, do a photo op, have some meetings But don't you fly to Taiwan where there's no war underway right now. Uh, Doug, hi. Great to have you back. And of course, Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics Contributors. Great conversation as always. I look forward to these as we try to make sense of the madness on the fastest hour in politics. We'll have a full recap of the hearing tomorrow on Sound On. We're watching so you don't have to. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit, returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. Learn more at BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore. That's BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore.